All right, we're live. Welcome to the Couch GM live podcast. Today we're going to be covering the MLB playoffs so far and then also recapping or previewing the uh, the World Series upcoming between the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So first off, no one saw that game six, game seven coming last night and the night before in Philadelphia. The first few games of the series in Philadelphia were absolutely electric. The, the crowd was electric last night but the Diamondbacks just shut down the Phillies offense. And that is really the story of why the Diamondbacks were able to take this series. What are you guys' initial thoughts from, from what you saw the last couple of nights? Yeah. Um, last night, one, two, three, and hit uh, one, two, three hitters, Schwarber, Turner, and Harper combined one for 16. Um, yeah. You shut those guys down. You really shut down the Phillies offense. They didn't let Trey Turner get on base where he can wreak havoc and, you know, he wasn't caught stealing at all this season um, during the regular season. Um, and then Nick Cassianos last night just was off. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got back to kind of – when Nick is bad, he's he's swinging at, at sliders away. He's just not seeing spin. Um, and hats off to Merrill Kelly. I mean, in game four or – yeah, it was game – the one ga- the first game he pitched in Philadelphia – he had three mistakes. They were all sent over the wall. Other than that, he, he pitched a pretty well game um, in the circumstances. And then, you know, the, the, the locker room material, too. You've got Garrett Stubbs, a backup catcher that, you know, maybe 100 ABs this season saying, hey, if we take this thing in Arizona, we're going to jump in the pool. I mean, brother, it was only 2-0 at the time. Why give the Diamondbacks some sort of – uh, motivation, um, and especially too when it's a bench guy like that that just can't hold people's jock straps in the league, um, and he's he's talking out of pocket. So uh, you know, I thought that was a, a big mistake. And then um, you know the the game tying home run from Alec Thomas um, uh, before Zach Wheeler pitched. I mean, the Phillies had it in the bag. They were up two runs in that game, and. Um, you had Wheeler on the mound the next day, and we all know what, what he did um, in in Game 5. He shoved. So it's surprising. Mad Dog's retiring because of it. Um, <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, that was a, funny to watch him turn. He was like a uh, – he, he looked like he saw a deer in the headlights um, this morning. But, yeah, hats well, Dusty off to Baker's the Dimebacks. Yeah. yeah, hats off to the Dimebacks. They pulled it out, and – uh, they showed that, you know, Philly was beatable in, in that home ballpark, which, you know, looked like they were an absolute wagon in Philadelphia. I had a, you know, my girlfriend, diehard Phillies fan. She wanted to turn the game off in the eighth inning. And as a Nats fan, I'm, I was like, no, you're going to watch this. <laughs> watch these last six outs. You guys are still together, right? You're okay. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> okay, that's good. That, that's, uh, that's dangerous right there. I, I'm shocked. You know, I heard all these all this talk about the bank. It's an SEC stadium, but for baseball, the bank didn't show up. Not only did Harper, Turner, Schwarber, Castellanos not show up, the bank didn't show up. I mean, that place should have been rocking. The Diamondbacks should have felt weird going into that series. I mean, it was enough to completely rattle the, the Braves. I mean, we've all seen that Albies clip where he's over there like, you know, doing stuff like that to the fans. It's like, you completely got in his head. You rattled him. This is the first time I don't think Phillies fans were able to get into anyone's heads. You know, I, I'm bummed out. I love seeing Philly scumbags 
going around to different ballparks in the playoffs. I love hearing dancing on my own. I love that the degree that you got to grease the poles. You got to get everything rolling. I want more Philly fanatics, but it is fun when the Phillies lose. Like there is a certain joy that I do get out of watching Philly sports fans have to cry a little bit. So like if I have a Christmas wish and I get it answered, it's not like that one Phillies team goes to the playoffs. I want every Phillies team in the semifinals. I want the Eagles. I want the 76ers. I want the Phillies, whatever their stupid soccer team's name is. I want them all in the finals. And then I want them to either win or lose just so I can get X videos of Phillies fans going absolutely nuts, either crying and tearing their TVs off the wall or <laughs> them freaking out because they won and then they're burning like their living room couch in their living room. I want all the crazy videos. Yeah. Speaking of Philadelphia real quick, uh, Philadelphia has, has now lost seven consecutive game sevens between the 76ers having lost four, the Flyers having lost two, and the Phillies having lost one. That's the longest game seven losing streak by a metro area in MLB, NBA, NHL history. Yeah, and, and I disagree. The <laughs> bank was in it. I mean, the bank rattled every At other team. The um, they, they were there from the start. But when your team they gets jumped on, when your team gets jumped on like that, it's it's tough to cheer, you know. So the Diamondbacks, the biggest thing for them going into game uh, six and seven was to score early to take the crowd out of it. Um, you know, I was at the 2019 World Series, all three home uh, home games for the Nats, and that was the first series outside of this last Rangers and Astros series where every road team won all each game of that series. Mm -hmm. And Nats fans brought it. The the the, uh, the park was electric, but in the first inning, the Astros jumped on the Nats in each game and just effectively took the crowd out of it. So you go from being pumped up to having a large, anxious feel that every, you know, 45,000 people are feeling. So, um, you know, hats off to the Dimebacks. They scored early and um, took out took out the, the the biggest home field advantage in, in, in baseball. And you saw Harper, I mean, he barely missed one that I believe would have been a two-run home run last night. So that yeah, would have that, been a that had, a, that, that had an exit velocity over 106 run? miles. And oh, it, it was an expected batting average over 700. So fly out uh, at the wall. Yeah, got a little lucky there, but that that's baseball for you in October. You, you know, whatever team's getting the most bounces, maybe that call that was a strike, but called a ball. Um, you know, that's just kind of how October baseball goes. Little plays, um, you know, become you know bigger in the grand scheme of things, and walks or rallies. You know, so. And I think right. the stat was that uh, Nick Castellanos hadn't gotten a hit since his since his first at bat in the NLCS, which was a home run, he was like, Oh, for 20 something up uh, since that home run. He was one. lost at the plate from yeah, game two. Swinging, to, uh, seven. Everything. Right. Well, and you were up, I think it was what game three and game four, you were up going into the seventh and eighth inning of those games and you blew the lead. Right. I saw it somewhere and it was, it was on X Twitter, whatever. Right. And it was up and it, that a team doesn't blow this game and then win a championship. And at the time I was like, how can you say that? That you can't just say that you don't, who cares if they blew game three, if they win four and five, but it almost was kind of an omen. Like you were so close, but you just couldn't finish it at the end of those two games. And if you finish just one of those games, you don't even go back and play at the bank. Right. Cause you win yeah. game game five. So it, I think it's a little bit of an omen of, 
you can't let games go by the wayside and just go, ah, oh, it's okay. Like, we lost game three. We'll get them in game four. Ah, oh, we lost game four. We're going to get them game five, and we got two at the bank. Like, you got to jump on teams. And for God's sakes, don't play Kimbrel in the playoffs. Don't do it. He is horrific. He looks stupid, first of all, when he's good in the stupid pterodactyl thing that he does like this. <laughs> but when he's losing, that's got to be the most hated man in all of Philadelphia. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, was Corbin Carroll finally showed up. He looked super mm. tentative in game Started one and game bases. two on the base pass. He looked uncomfortable in the first couple games, wasn't getting a read. I mean, this is a guy that's still over 50 bases in baseball. He's going to be the rookie of the year. And, you know, he finally got himself into a groove. And then last night goes three for four, uh, hits two in, scores two runs, steals two bases. And when, that guy's just dynamic at the top of an order. Um, and what was crazy about it, too, is, you know, you think about the lefty-lefty matchup with him and Ranger. He was three for three off mm -hmm. of him. Um, and, and you know, got five ABs and obviously sack flies don't count, count as not bad, but I mean, that was the most productive game, um, he's had all series and it came in game seven. Talk about a clutch factor. And I, I believe he is from Seattle area, right? Connor? Yeah. Just North of yeah. Seattle. No, yeah. yep. so, the hops Hillsborough kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's pretty cool that the hops are, you know, at the time, I don't know if they're still the Diamondbacks the affiliate, affiliate, right affiliate now, yeah. but, yep. um, yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for the Dimebacks in this series because uh, I, you know, I could give a big middle finger to this uh, Texas and Houston, regardless of you know who was uh, going to enter there. But that's just kind of a no-win situation. These snakes are hot, um, and you're going to have Zach Gallon going in Game One and and Merrill Kelly going Game Two. And honestly, man, Brandon fought. I mean, oh, he was dirty. You no, know, there there's certain guys last that two outings. Yeah, you, there's certain guys that you see in the postseason really take a step forward. And, I, you know, I got one example. It's on the hitting side of things all the way back to 2016. Jose Ramirez of uh, the, mm -hmm. the, the Cleveland Guardians just erupted in that World Series run. Next year, he's a top 10 player. He has not skipped a beat since that season. Um, so, you know, sometimes October you find guys and some guys just rise to the occasion and break out. Uh, Brandon Fott's going to look like a top 25 arm fantasy wise next season. I mean, he's got the stuff um, and you could, he's, argu he's arguably their best pitcher right now. And uh, did you guys see Zach Allen's tweet? Yes, I did. Yeah. You know, he's a Cowboys fan that grew up in South Jersey, which is like a um, Eagles fan growing up in Dallas. Like it's, it's kind of wild. He grew up in the, uh, the, the South Jersey uh, area, and um, I'm sure he was loving giving it to uh, Philly fans. Yeah, he was there trolling on uh, Twitter. He sent a screenshot of Philly Spring Training 2024 saying, make sure to get those tickets for your next game. Also, well, he's helping fans find it. Yeah, right. See you in March. Um, also note, so the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, 174 combined regular season wins is the fewest in a World Series matchup in MLB history aside from the shortened seasons. So as much as, if, if there's any Mariners fans listening out there, as much as we hate to see it, um, the, the team's combined records with the Rangers and the Diamondbacks regular season, if you average it out, it's at like 53%. And we were talking beforehand that, you know, DePoto's comments of, oh, our goal is to win 54%. 
The Mariners won more than 54%. These teams that are now in the World Series are at 53 point something. I mean, it sucks to see, but you, you see his point. You just don't want to hear it. Right. It, well, it's the Billy Bean model, right? Like, if I get enough people to get on base enough amount of times, eventually I'm going to hit the jackpot. It hasn't happened yet, but eventually it does. But it also shows you, like, you just got to have a couple balls go your way and then have a bunch of pitchers and hitters that get hot in the right moment. I mean, if Kurt Suzuki doesn't lose a ball that's in the air, and it might not, might not be Kurt Suzuki, but it was Suzuki for yeah. uh, the Cubs. Thank you. Uh, Kurt Suzuki was a catcher for the A's. Uh, <laughs> but if Suzuki doesn't lose that ball in the lights against the Braves and makes that catch, the Chicago Cubs win that game, and it's actually probably the Cubs who are in the playoffs and not the D-backs, right? So sometimes it's all just about getting into the dance and then getting hot. Like you guys said it already. You know, you got a couple pitchers that got hot right now. Seawald looks like the best closer in the game. I mean, he's been absolutely nails in the bullpen. Once he comes in in the ninth, they don't seem to give up any runs. And then you've got guys who, you know, you got clutch hitting. Uh, and you've got a bunch of guys in that entire lineup that can steal a base whenever they want to or whenever they need to. So sometimes it's like, oh, okay, you get a leadoff walk. Next pitch, you got a guy at second. It's a completely different inning, right? Where like the Phillies, Kyle Schwarber gets a walk. That dude ain't stealing jack, right? So um, every once in a while, you just kind of have to have a couple things go your way that you don't even uh, have control over. And now all of a sudden, you're four wins away from getting a ring and having a pretty big party. Yeah, and also part of it for the Diamondbacks was Cattell uh, Marte. You know, he was on a tear. He won uh, NL uh, CS MVP. He was uh, so he has a 16 game hitting streak, which is the longest to start a postseason career. He's only played 16 postseason games, so he's got a hit in every every postseason game. Pretty good average. Yeah, we'll see if he can keep keep that up. Also, another random stat: every team to beat the Brewers in the postseason has advanced to the World Series. 2019. Going back to the 1981 Yankees, the 1982 Cardinals, 2008 Phillies, 2011 Cardinals, 2018 Dodgers, 2019 Nats, uh, 2020 Dodgers, 2021 Braves, and then the D-backs this year. So, And the Brewers are looking like um, there's going to be another little man- managerial swap today. We had uh, Bob Melvin um, go to an interdivision rival uh, just it's it's bad in San Diego right now if you're Padres to have uh, your GM and, and Bob Melvin, a guy who, you know, obviously with the A's, obviously took the, the Billy Bean model and still, you know, advanced into the playoffs multiple occasions. Um, and you look, look, look at looking like Craig Council might go to the Mets. So um, a lot of baseball um, musical chairs going on right now. And um you're going to get a lot of these uh, reports coming out as the, the days lead up to the World Series slow news cycle day. Well, hey, let's drop uh, the managerial news here um, before the World Series starts. And then shifting over from the Diamondbacks to the Rangers. So another uh, stat about these two teams that are playing. One is that the Diamondbacks are 21st in payroll. The Rangers are fourth in payroll. So it really shows that both sides of things with how you build a, ro- a roster, whether you're paying the big free agents or if you're, you know, growing through the farm system and the D backs, you really, there are multiple ways to skin a cat with the Rangers. I saw a tweet. I was looking for it. Couldn't find it, but the Rangers front office has really succeeded in every facet 
of building out a roster. One is through drafting and developing through Josh Young and Evan Carter, um, free agent signings and Seeger, Simeon, uh, Eovaldi, Gray, and Heaney in smaller I mean, chunks. They also got Nate Lau via trade from the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, Lau yep. was kind of middling, uh, you know, as a Ray. And, you know, he co- goes over to Texas and, and turns into an absolute doubles machine. Yeah. So one was draft and develop, two is free agent signings, three is through trade, which is Nathaniel Lowe, uh, Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, and then DFA acquired. You got a Dolis Garcia, who is your, you know, ALCS MVP who was DFA twice as recently as 2021, which was by the Rangers. And then he comes out here and he's setting a postseason record. Um, Adolis Garcia, right now he has 20 RBIs this postseason, which is second in all of the postseason. He's got one to go to tie and then uh, two RBIs in the World Series gets him the RBI record in a postseason. Dude's been absolutely on fire. Uh, he also has the sweetest home run little trot of all time. No one's got more swagger. No one's got more confidence. <laughs> and honestly, at the plate in baseball, I really do think that's half the battle. You know, you, you hit a home run early in a series, and now all of a sudden, you know, Garcia goes from – and I know he's been a good player all year, but specifically in the postseason, he hits a home run early in each series that he's played in so far – and then all of a sudden he's raising his level up and up and up. It's just like you had talked about earlier, Dylan, like sometimes you have these guys who pop off in the playoffs and then they become a big household name and they become a primetime player. We might be seeing that ascension here uh, with Garcia because shoot, if you can hit a home run in the biggest moment, get plunked, go and try and fight someone next day, come back out and hit two freaking moonshots on uh, your rival team's home field. Why can't you just keep ascending, keep ascending, right? Sometimes you have you have a good day, and sometimes you have a good series. Sometimes you have a good month, right? Oh but from what I'm seeing from Garcia, I'm I couldn't be more impressed. The guy is uh, out there making the most of an opportunity, and I bet it'll make him a lot of money somewhere uh, on the back end. And you talk about when he hits a home run. I mean, he stares at that ball for like five to ten seconds, and at the same time, right. like he can do what he wants because who's going to fight the biggest guy on the field? Right. He's also been an all-star the last two seasons. Right. And then, so we had talked in our uh, baseball group chat a bit about how the Cardinals, so the Cardinals have had Adolis Garcia. They've had uh, Randy Arozarena. They've had Zach Gallen, Sandy Alcantara in their farm system. I also saw that they had a, uh, uh, Obviously, Jordan Montgomery, um, mm-hmm. and then also both pitching coaches for the World Series teams are former Cardinals as well. So Cardinals are doing something right, just not in their organization when it matters for their organization, I guess. They had their championships. They, they're just spreading the love. They're good assist go. man now. So who are you guys taking in the World Series? Probably the Rangers in six. Yeah, uh, I, I really, I really wanted the Phillies. Um, I'll be contrarian. I'll go with the D-backs, but I think it'll take them seven. I think we get, we get a game seven, uh, the most beautiful game in all of sports. 
I just think the the Rangers off like their main offensive cogs are are, are much better and stronger than what the Diamondbacks can throw out. I mean, you got a top four of Simeon, Seager, Adalis, Nate Lau. Mitch Garver's been hitting the ball well um, over the the core of Marte, Carroll, um, Christian Walker, and Tommy Pham's your fourth, you know. So, um, you know, defensively, these are both top seven, top eight defenses coming into this year in baseball. Um you know, we'll see what the Rangers get from Max Scherzer this series. Obviously, you know, he made his uh, initial comeback from an injury that kept him out of the final months of the regular season. Um, and it was mixed results in that first start back. And then obviously got the hook after two and two thirds um, in game seven. But, you know, if you can get one strong game out of that guy, you like your chances, uh, you know, winning one of those. And, you know, Nate Valdi has proved to uh, to the entire league that he is a gamer in the playoffs. He had a great run with the Red Sox um, when they won that World Series in 2018. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the back end of that Rangers bullpen also holds up because I think you're going to give the edge bullpen-wise right now to the Diamondbacks after what they've done, uh, you know, over the last two games in Philadelphia where essentially they ran their relief core from the fifth through the ninth. Um, and, you know, Jose Leclerc, our Lotus Chapman, uh, a little bit sketchier, um, uh, on the Rangers side, but, uh, Le- Leclerc's gotten the job done, um, outside of the, uh, the one, uh, you know, mix up in, uh, against the Astros. Watch out for that 103.7 mile an hour fastball from Lotus Chapman. How- Hopefully try to get, get, try to get out of the way plane. of that. What was that? Hopefully he gets it over the plate this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I have Rangers in six also just their offensive pieces, their, their pitching staff when they can, you have all these, you know, look good. Yeah. Scherzer can bounce back. Jordan Montgomery has been fantastic in the playoffs so far. So it's going to be a lot of fun. The first two games are in Arlington on starting on Friday. It's going to be an amazing matchup. And, Really one that no one really saw coming, but how nice is it to see the Astros lose, especially in the fashion that they did for the second time in history. uh, Only twice in MLB history has the road team won every game of a best of seven series. Of course, Dylan knows that the the last one was the 2019 world series. I believe they won the World Series that year. I believe they did. I'd have to check. And then the second time was this year, the Rangers in the ALCS. And the team that lost both of those series was the Astros. So you just love to see it. Love oh, it. I hate it. I, I hate it. <laughs> I'm just so sad for those Houston fans. The oh, bummer no. is that Dusty Baker did retire. I am bummed that he is not in baseball anymore. Yeah, he's him and better his pick and kick rocks. <laughs> no, sad I'm Dusty fan. I like no. Dusty. <laughs> he's got a great baseball name. It doesn't get better than He Dusty. does. He's got a great baseball name. Was a great player in his own right, but mm-hmm. he great manager. Not managed well uh, in the postseason for the Nationals. So, um, also 0 4 in game sevens all time. So, he got hey, Bruce, Bruce Pochi is undefeated in uh, do or die games. He's 6 0 now, I believe. Insane. Oh, he needs to leave then. He should, it's he like he's his first year manager. You know, well, no, how much does whole, that change a team? Whole thing, too, with the Padres is Bochi wanted to come back 
and manage that group and stuff coming out of the uh, San Diego media this past week is he chose not to go strictly because of uh, Preller being the GM there. So uh, it seems like it's a big me problem up in the, the front office portion of things for the Padres. Let's just hope Jerry DePoto can fleece Preller one more time before he's, he's outed okay. from the Padres. <laughs> yeah. Ty France. Hey, he's that driveline. Hopefully he's going to switch up that swing a little bit. I mean, what they I've did heard- for JP, JP Crawford this past year, you'd hope they can do the same for, for France. Yeah, JP try, uh, tied Julio in OPS this year. Largely, he walked a ton. He, his on-base percentage was up there, but he also had just the best offensive production year of his career. He was hitting – he had quite a few leadoff home runs. But, yeah, if he gets Ty France up there. I heard that there might be some other guys going there. That's a great thing to see because if we can get Ty France back to 2021, 2022 production levels – that that makes a difference in those last few games, the week of the season. Yeah, the biggest thing with the Mariners, you guys got a lot of bullets you can you can deal with right now, and you need to go send a couple of those bullets out and get a dynamic hitter. I, I see a lot of Mariners uh, Twitter irritated at the idea of just taking a year of Juan Soto. Well, did, watch what the Diamondbacks did this year. If you can sneak in as a five or a six seed and your team gets hot, you know it's time to go for it. I mean, you guys have been waiting too long. Um, to just sit here and be like, well, you know, I need my Rolodex of prospects. You just had three first drafts in this past draft. Go yeah. out and get somebody that can change your lineup. So let me ask you this. Out of the young start, because it's going to be young starting pitching that's traded, right? Yeah. So like what I'm thinking is you trade a couple of those guys, you sign a Blake Snell, who's a Seattle guy. Or you could even go for an Aaron Nola. I don't know if you'd leave the East Coast. There's a, there's a solid starting pitcher market this this offseason. What Next is year, what are, even stronger? I mean, 2025 is an insane starting pitching market. Um, but yeah. So, which young which starting pitchers are you trading? Are you trading Logan Gilbert or are you doing Bryce Miller, Brian Wu? I don't, I don't think you put Gilbert up uh, for anybody. Um, I, it's, it's, I'd go the Bryce Miller rule route and, you know, pair, you know, try to not to give up both of them and pair eat, you know, each with a couple hitters, um, or, or whatever Cole it may Young's be got a lot of value right now. I don't right. think you can even of, throw Hancock on there too. Yeah. Hancock's a, right. a name. I don't think you, I don't think you allow four to get out of the organization though. You don't really come across dynamic hitting catchers. Um, and hey, not all of them pan off, uh, pan out. But uh, Mariners need to do something because free agency in terms of bats is a uh, it's not yeah, it's deep this this year. So you know guys like Lourdes Gurriel are going to get a payday. Um, so you also don't want to give the wrong guy a payday either. So um, I think the best vantage point for the Mariners is to go out and get a, a, a bat via trade um, if you know, option one via free agency doesn't work out for them. Let me pull up my uh, off-season notes that I had here. But yeah, um, yeah, they're really a couple bats away from having a true impact. And you need to go out and just have a juggernaut of a lineup like some of these teams do. You just have to put it way over the top. The pitching bit has been top five in all of baseball this year. Yeah. And, and, and that's for, something like you've you know, got the, George the Kirby was somewhere around like 23rd or something like that I mean, for you, most of the year, which is when you, unacceptable. 
when you have George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, um, Luis Castillo, and then obviously, hey, Robbie Ray looking at a July return. I mean, there is too many arms in that stable to not go out and trade some of your core and get hitting that's either controllable for one to three years um, and, and have a two-year, two three-year window. Um, and especially with the team-friendly contract with Julio, I mean, yeah, he's getting a lot of money, but in the in the realm of it, it's it's a pretty friendly deal yeah. uh, for what he could possibly be. Yeah, I I think you uh, you have to be careful of letting Depoto. Like, I understand where Depoto is coming from. I do, and I get that you hate it, right? Like fifty four four percent. Like you don't love that, um, but I definitely think it's on fans it's on management it's on guys like cal raleigh and jp crawford who have vocally come out and opposed uh some of the things that depoto have said they've actively come out and said hey we need more bats we need more uh buy-in from the front office uh because it, it almost feels like there's there's this there's this question that pmt always asks would you rather have one year where you win a title and then 50 years of you suck or 50 years of you are right in the playoff hunt every year and 15 times you get to the Super Bowl, but you never win one, right? Because they always do it based on football. It almost feels like that is kind of the route that DePoto is going, where if I set up a team that wins at 54% of the time, we're probably going to make the playoffs 80% of those times. Then maybe, you know, we sneak our way, a couple of things go our way, all of a sudden, we get to like three or four World Series. If we win one, great. If we don't, I can come into Seattle because it hasn't been that successful. You had a 21-year run where you didn't make the playoffs, and I will be well-liked. And it almost feels like you won't, we almost have to hold his feet to the fire, whether it's journalists, whether it's fans, whether it's players, whether, you know, whoever it is, you have to hold his feet to the fire so that way he knows that it's not just acceptable, right? And it seems like ownership has made it clear that they're not necessarily going to be willing to pay top dollar for players. That's fine. You have to go out now and find players when they are young, a guy like Ryan bliss and try and turn him into the next star. You found Julio and you turned him into the next star. Can you keep going and finding those players or finding those guys off the trash heap and turning them into big time stars? And I know that's a big tall task, and I know it's not something that we all want to necessarily go through. We want to have, you know, Stan go out and go get Shohei and go get a big bat when you need it. But if he's not willing to do that, you have to find a way to hold the Poto's feet to the fire to go and make sure that he goes and does that, uh, even if it's going and finding guys at a discount. It's ownership. You know, it's, you know, Seattle fans pack out this stadium. They show up to every free giveaway, free bobblehead. They keep putting money in Stanton's pockets. We're talking about a sport that doesn't have a salary cap. And you've got two dominant young arms. You've got you got Julio Rodriguez. You've got uh, mm -hmm. a good catcher in Cal Raleigh, J.P. Crawford. I mean, it's ridiculous at this point what Mariners, owner, Mariners ownership is putting their fans through. And honestly, fans need to stop showing up if that's the case and spending all their money on the giveaways and the jerseys and, and you know um, – there was like a new starter jacket that the team store came out with. And I'm loving how the Mariner, how Mariners fans are right now. Every single one of those replies was something regarding 54% or I'm not buying <laughs> that until play, you know, that's one way to start putting the, uh, you know, the fire underneath your owner because 
at this at, at the end of the day, Depoto has one boss, and that man mm-hmm. writes the checks. You know, so it's 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 irritating as a as a guy who's not a Mariners fan, but you know, I, I am rocking him today. Um, He's the closeted Mariners. Know, I'm yeah, I'm a little bit of a closet Mariners fan. I will say that as you know, my analyst <laughs> AL team, but um, it's it's just it's sad to see. I mean, obviously, we've seen them go out and spend money on Robinson Cano. They dropped that big contract. I mean, really, they need to think about just giving Shohei a blank check and saying, look, man, take a year to rehab here with your arm. You want to come be a closer and hit full time? I mean, that is still a guy that's worth over $500 million if he can come in and close 40 games a year and still hit over 30 bombs and hit 280. And I think that's probably going to what he's going to tail into um, as he starts entering the twilight, you know, mid-30s portion of his career. Um, But... Uh, Connor, I wanted to say thanks for having me on today. Will, it was good catching up with you guys and, uh, you know, looking forward to recapping uh, the World Series and, and some of uh, the weekend sports with you guys next week. All right, we'll have to do a live stream sometime for one of those games. Thanks for thanks for joining, Dylan. Appreciate it. Yeah, going back to Shohei real quick. I mean, no matter what type of contract you sign him to, he pays for himself no matter what. It's right. Like sales, attendance levels. You get an entirely different market um additional mm-hmm. even outside of baseball he's just an attraction that people will go to to go see in person there's no right. excuse not giving your all to go get him and if the mariners don't have a truly impactful roster heading into opening day next year i think you'll see those shirts that you saw in oakland this last year floating around the stadium uh the hashtag sell uh sell. shirts yeah yeah um, you got you got to be careful with that stuff. I'll be honest, um, because fans in Oakland stopped doing some stuff as a protest, and now they're gone, right? So j- just be careful with that stuff. And then you know maybe don't root for the ownership, but root for the players, uh, root root for the managers, root for the people that are in the organization that are not at the head, right? Uh, I just I feel weird as a Depoto apologist. Like I'm one of the few <laughs> fans that are that, but I, I just understand. And I have this curse of being able to see both sides of like, well, fans just, we'll just go buy people, go buy people. Right. Well, look at the Mets. How did that work out for the Mets? Just because it worked out for the Rangers doesn't mean that it's going to work out for everybody. Right. Because you can look at the, the Rangers and the Mets, the Rangers went out and they, they went and paid for those final three or four pieces. Well, the Mets tried to pay for everybody. And it didn't work out for them, right? So I think that there, there's a healthy balance. And I understand what Depoto's saying. His message is, is bad. Like his wording and his choice of how to use that messaging came out wrong. Um, and so you hope that he learned from it this year and he goes out and he finds a way to find players. Because let's be honest here now, Depoto has found and put a lot of good Mariner ball players on this team. You know, like, when the trade happened, you didn't know Ty France was going to be good. You didn't know Munoz was going to be good. Um, you know, the Munoz irony is... Munoz out the Tommy John surgery. Right. The irony, the irony is is that Kelnick was supposed to be the star, not Julio. Julio right. was supposed to be kind of what Kelnick is. And Kelnick's supposed to be what Julio was. Um, and that, that was like a big trade. But, you know, at least Kelnick has turned into something manageable. I, I saw a big tweet. Um, I'm sure you saw a big Seattle... Uh, AM radio guy tweeted about Paul Seawald and how upset he was that 
uh, Seawald was gone. And, and I get his sentiment, and I know that there's a lot of Mariner fans that are going to feel that. Uh, they're sad that he's gone. They're happy that uh, he's in the World Series. But, you know, there was an attack on Kinzone. There was an attack on Rojas. And it's like, well, you left out Bliss. Bliss is a part of that deal. And if Bliss turns into what everyone's saying he could be, I mean, shoot, what was he, 40, 90 or something stupid like that this year in the minors? So if he turns into what he's supposed to be or what he's showing right now at AAA, well, him alone for Paul Seawald is worth it, right? So I, you just have to be careful in everything being so now and immediate. You got to go out and you got to hold your GM's feet to, fi- to the fire. And you got to say, hey, this isn't acceptable. The way that you are choosing to word this is not acceptable. We don't feel you went out and did enough to get good players. But how often have we looked at a trade and right there in the immediate aftermath gone, oh, that team got fleeced. And then you look back five, ten years down the road and you go, they didn't get fleeced at all. They had their eye on the future and they got some good players out of it. Yeah, and you call yourself a DePoto apologist. I mean, I've liked a lot of what he's done, to be honest. And I, I've been a right. fan of the roster heading into the year. I mean, sure, in, in the on the bench, you could have more depth, you know, instead of getting mm-hmm. A.J. Pollock and Tommy LaStella. Bringing right. some more impact, but the trades in the offseason for Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, um, the trade midseason for Luis Castillo, you know, this last mm-hmm. offseason going and trading for Teoscar Hernandez. All you give up is Eric Swanson, who is a solid reliever, but you get Teoscar mm-hmm. Hernandez, who's a true impact bat. He, It's mm-hmm. just that these guys, you don't understand why it actually happens. I think it might be the mindset thing that they hear that Seattle is a tough place to hit. Because you see opposing teams come in, they don't have an issue, but you get a right. mindset and then you think that you can't hit it out. So then you change your approach to the plate. Now you're striking out, you're flying out. Um, even the Colton Wong, you know, trade or acquisition. <laughs> At with, the time uh, it made sense. Yeah. I mean, it's just like some of these things, they're good on paper when they actually happen. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not quite how it pans out as you right. expect it. So. Well, and some of it, some of it pans out later. Uh, I also, and this is like a dumb guy brain thing. Like I learned what a barometer was around this time last year. So, you know, take, <laughs> take my weather forecasting and advice uh, for what it's worth, but it almost seems like you have this team that struggles to hit in the cold months, right? Like we struggle in April, struggle in May, and then struggle a little bit in September and October where when you have June, July, August, that's when they have their big explosions and everyone goes, whoa, where'd they come from? You know, like last year you had the big explosion in, in June. This year you had your big explosion in July and August. It, it's almost like they are built to win in a warm weather situation. And then you forget that you play in the cold, right? <laughs> so sometimes the long ball isn't always going to be the play for you because when it does get colder, it does get harder to hit balls out. Everyone jokes about the marine layer. Well, when it's colder, it is harder to hit the ball out. I know that because I know I like to hit someone in football a lot more when it's warm than when it's cold because that S hurts, right? <laughs> so, maybe Especially on the there hands. Has, yeah. Right. So maybe there has to be an adjustment into how this team plays or maybe there needs to be adjustment on certain bats and certain spots of, yeah, we have our long ball guys, but we also have our guys that are just good at flat out getting on base. And they're not afraid to do the small ball things. They're not afraid to bunt. 
They're not afraid, you know, to wear one, lean into one, have better discipline at the plate. Because once you get runners on that, it almost seems like in big moments, that's when everything starts to tighten on that pitcher and you see runs and you see a flood of runs. So in Arizona, they have a humidor, I believe is what it's called to make it more humid in the ballpark, something like that Mm. in Seattle. How about they just install a ton of heaters around the place, really heat that place up, get rid of the whole sauna. Marine, yeah, make it a little bit of a sauna. The ball will start flying. We'll just, we'll keep the roof closed from April to Memorial Day. <laughs> and then we'll close the roof again on Labor September. Day. Yeah. Perfect. They'll never beat us. <laughs> Foolproof. And we'll pump in crowd noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Kind of talking, uh, Lusario is a good trade for Bull. Seawald had established himself in a good bullpen as a, into a goal, good bullpen arm as a Mariner, and we got his worth when we traded him for Canzo and Rojas and Bliss. Yeah, Paul Seawald had like a year and two months left on his contract, right? Until he was a free agent. Yeah. You have Munoz, you have Justin Topa, you have Matt Brash, mm-hmm. just to name a few of guys that are shut down arms that should be right. able to close out a guy. It's like Paul Seawald. You know, I don't know about the true clubhouse impact that he had. I could see how the veteran leadership could definitely help there. But when you're getting Dominic Canzone, Josh Rojas, and Brian Bliss, at the time, Jared Kelnick was on the water cooler IL. Um, so, I mean, that filled a few holes. And you don't want, you know, Sam Haggerty. And, I mean, I need to look at Katie Marlowe's numbers before he was sent back down. But um, uh, who else? Oh, yeah, at the time, we still had Colton Wong. It's like, you put in Rojas and Kenzone instead of a gap in the outfield and instead of mm-hmm. Colton Wong, that's an immediate upgrade, really, no matter how you look at it. All you need to do is have them hit the ball a couple times a week and mm-hmm. you're pretty much filling up a spot. And then looking at Dominic Kenzone's uh, minor league numbers, you talk about Ryan Bliss's minor league numbers. Dominic Kenzone might be the best potential impact bat long term. Right. He just has minimum you know, experience, uh, or exposure in 71 games this year in triple a Dominic Canzone, 304 plate appearances, batting 354 with a 431 on base percentage, 634 logging, which is a 1.065 OPS. Uh, he's got 16 home runs. I mean, the dude can hit, you look back to when he was playing at Ohio state, he was consistently in the 330, 340 range um with batting average and batting average is, is exactly what this team needs so if dominic can zone mm-hmm. next year and hit above 300 i mean that's exactly what you need right so uh as time will tell i remember two years ago a lot of people were telling me that my seahawks got fleeced when they traded their quarterback away i think when you look back at it right now i mean dan orlovsky called it the worst trade in the history of the nfl Now, I think Herschel Walker has something to say about that. But, (laughs) you know, when you look back at it two and three years later, what, what is the true, what is the true value of the trade? If Ryan Bliss turns into what he could be and Canzone turns into what he can be. And frankly, from what I've seen from Canzone, I find it very promising, right? So if, if all those guys hit their potential and turn into what they could be, I mean, Rojas was even an upgrade at second base. So, Give it plenty of time. Maybe it'll be a good deal for everybody. If Seawald is their big time closer and they're able to win this World Series, then of course, this was the right trade 
for Arizona and they'd make that trade 10 times out of 10. Shoot, if you told me that Kenzone hits the game-winning home run in the World Series three years from now, I'd go, yeah, I'd make that trade 10 times out of 10, right? So time is going to tell. You just can't jump on it immediately. And we have this reaction as a society in general, but specifically as sports fans, to look at everything in this narrow-minded view and right here, right now, and we're not winning right now. This is why, and it's this person's fault, and this is where we went wrong. And just take a deep breath. It's going to work out, hopefully. And if it doesn't, then we can circle back to it in three or four years and go, hey, you messed that up. Let's talk about it. Let's hold you accountable. Going back to the uh, the trades for Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, and then for Luis Castillo. At the time, I was throwing shade at the, at the Reds GM. Like, what is this guy doing? Mm-hmm. But then you look at him now. I mean, you know, the Mariners had given up. Levi Stout, Brandon Williams, uh, Connor Phillips, Edwin Arroyo, Noel V. Marte, all these these guys. And yeah. now you look at the Reds. Oh, here's this guy, Ellie De La Cruz, who decided to come up. And now the Reds are right on the fringe of the playoffs this year. And now they're a sustainable winner for the future. And so, right. like, you look at it current day, this deal, all oh, this sucks. But in reality, this might, you know, this long term, it's it's huge for the franchise. 100%, so. right? So don't don't jump off the bridge yet. There's plenty of time. Let it all play out. Uh, here, here we got a question here. Would you rather have a lineup that can get on base consistently one through nine but less power or have a lineup that at times will struggle to get on base but hit for more power? Well, I would say definitely a, a lineup that would get on base more consistently. You know, for the past few years, the Mariners have been built around striking out, walking, and home runs. And, you know, really top to bottom, the Mariners had three guys in the top nine this year with the most strikeouts in all of baseball. And that's fine for most of the game. But when you get into the crunch situations late in the ball game, you need someone to get on base or to get a hit. But instead, they're swinging for the fences. And the thing is, their approach is even with two strikes. It's it's not like you're widening your stance and having a level swing. They're still swinging out of their shoes trying to be, be, you know, hit a five run home run basically. And you just can't right. have that. So if you guys, if you have guys that can get on base consistently, uh, put pressure on the pitcher, steal some bases. If you get a bunch of slap singles, you're still scoring runs. If you strike out, you're striking out. Right. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I equate this to the NBA team that just chucks up a bunch of threes uh, or actually the, probably the better analogy is the college basketball team that chucks up a bunch of threes, right? Like when you have your guys on and they're hitting, you're exciting. You win a bunch of games, you blow people out. But the minute that you have a couple guys go cold, you struggle and you don't end up winning games. Your reliance when you go more power-based is everyone is going to be hot at the same time and we're going to hit home runs and we're going to win because everyone gets hot at the same time. Well, the problem is, is if everyone gets hot at the same time, they also get cold at the same time. And if everybody is cold at the same time in the playoffs, Philadelphia, you might have troubles getting guys on base because guys are swinging for the for a home run every single time. Look at this last Phillies game. In what was it, the seventh or the eighth inning, you had two runners on with one out, and you had two easy pop-ups to center field. Now, I'm not saying that Harper and Turner were sitting back there swinging for the fence every time, but you have to wonder if they just choked up and put something in play and tried to get, you know, a little slap single into the outfield, 
with Trey Turner's speed and with your base runner speed on base, other than Schwarber, you got to like your chances a little bit more. Now, everybody loves the long ball, but is that what's going to win you in the long run? You know, right now the Diamondbacks, they're making this run, not off big home runs, but it's getting a guy on base, them stealing, and then getting clutch base hitting. So I think especially with the new rules, I really want consistent one through nine hitting and less power. And out on top of that, even if guys, you know, have a good walk percentage, you can't really produce a walk. A walk has to come to you. You know, if if a pitcher comes in there and he's painting the corners, pounding the strike zone, you're not going to be able to walk. You got to be able to put the bat on the ball. So the, the walks are, you know, more so up to the pitcher missing versus to the, the hitter being able to do something about it. So yeah. Great question. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, really, really excited to see the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, I guess, to kind of wrap it up. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be a great series starts on Friday and we'll see how many games they go. The D backs absolutely shocked the Phillies. So I wouldn't be surprised at this point if the D backs shock the world and take home the title. Mariners fans would love to see it with, with Paul Sewell getting his ring mm. and getting his title and really seeing an underdog team take it from the big, one of the biggest payrolls, the fourth payroll in baseball. So. Right. Well, and, and when you're hot, you're hot, you know, there, there is something to be uh, said about that. And right now Arizona seems to be hot. Now they're running into a, a Texas Rangers team that, uh they are as equally as hot you know they're having to go through they had to go through the wild card just like the diamondbacks did they had to go through the divisional they had to go through the cs uh just like the diamondbacks did um but you know we're actually probably going to see our the answer to our question here because this rangers team is more built for power you have seen during the regular season they've they've had these big cold stretches uh not that arizona has been immune to their cold stretches as well right but this Arizona team seems to be more built on getting on base and speed. And this Rangers team is more built on power. So, you know, you might get your answer here in this world series. Uh, and are, are Connor and I right? Are we right uh, on getting guys on base? And that'll lead to more wins in the long run. Or sometimes is it better to just swing as hard as you freaking can every single time and try and hit a home run? Typically the team that scores the most runs will win. No, so way. so I so I hear, yeah, so I hear. I don't know it's about a rumor that. Rumor on but... the street. It's part of the new yeah. rules. Damn it, Manfred. <laughs> this just in: you need more points. You need more. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for watching uh, and for commenting. Feel free to uh, like and subscribe, share it with a friend, mm. and we'll see you on the next stream.